Siren Silence, The Fate of Captain Bacchus, a king of the cave's novella. And that's coming up next right here on The Right Stuff. Hi, and welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we are going to be talking to my returning guest co-host and contributor today, Brandon M. Wilborn. For those of you who remember, we had him back on the show when we talked about his first book, The Treasure of Caprique, which is book one of the King of the Caves book series. I cannot wait to delve into his new release, which is Siren Silence, which is a novella that takes place a little bit in between after the treasure of Capri. We'll find out when we talk to Brandon about it in just a few moments, but go ahead and pick up your copy today on amazon.com or wherever books are sold. And let me tell you, you're not going to be disappointed. It's a fast little read that goes very quickly, but it's so richly detailed with lots of subtext and themes woven all throughout. I cannot wait to talk about it with you in just a few moments. As always, I want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we cover your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net. Click on that pink follow button and you'll never ever have to miss a show. Subscribe to our new YouTube channel at PJC Media and ring that bell for notifications of exclusive content, updated shows, and more. We'd love to have your support, so go ahead, subscribe today. Lastly, I want to thank you all for your support of my newest release called A Chance with Zhao Xing. It has been absolutely phenomenal receiving your response. If you like the Blizzard Brides, you love A Chance with Zhao Xing, which is part of the Last Chance Bride series, which takes place 15 years after the events in the Blizzard Bride. So go ahead, pick up your copy exclusively on Amazon.com. And so without further ado, I'm going to bring Brandon on board. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Parker. Thank you. How are you? I am fine. And it's so good to have you back. It's been a minute since the last time we talked. And I want our listeners to know more about you. So I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So for those of you, I'm going to have Brandon introduce himself to us all on his own. All on my own. Wow. I feel like a big boy now. <laughs> I'm Brandon Wilborn, and I've been writing since high school. Honestly, let's let's say it. Everybody, everybody tends to do that. I write uh, Christian-based fantasy. Sometimes it's a little more heavy on the Christian. Sometimes it's a little bit less. And uh, my debut novel was The Trevor of, Treasure of Capric. And basically the concept of that was a religious, very religious people. It's a bunch of monks, and they have lost the core of their faith. They've lost the thing that tells them and informs them of their faith, and it's this treasure that they were supposed to protect. They lost it. They have to go find it. And the follow-up novella, it's kind of an extended epilogue in Siren Silence, is what we're talking about today. But as far as me, I've always been a, I've always loved stories. I've always loved writing. I've always loved ideas and reading and things like that. So I have probably have too many things in my brain. But other than that, let's see. I do a lot of youth ministry on the side and volunteer with kids and try and encourage them in their, in their imaginations and their faith as well. And for those of you who want to hear 
the first interview I did with Brandon about his book, The Treasure of Capric, make sure you visit our archives at pjcmedia.net and just scroll through. We had a fun time with that show, and I know we're going to have another one. Now, Brandon, since the last time you've been on the show, how have you been keeping yourself busy? Not with writing as much as I would hope. I've been letting other things get in the way. You know, we all have our responsibilities. So I had a couple of small humans I was taking care of. You know, when things kind of got a little wonky, you turn into what do we need to do to take care of the family sometimes? And so, you know, making sure my wife is is doing okay with her work, doing my own work and writing kind of took a backseat. And then the past six months or so, I've been back in the saddle, getting words out, getting things going and actually started a new podcast myself of my fiction. So it'll be a author reading of my first book to start with. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so glad to know that. Make sure that you give me the information so our listeners can find that in the show link. Matter of fact, let's go ahead and tell us where they can find it at. Sure. The easy way is podcast.brandonwilborn.com. And it's brand on, I say, not brand off. (laughs) And it is Wilborn with no U's or E's. It's just W-I-L-B-O-R-N, podcast.brandonwilborn.com. That is completely awesome. So glad you shared that with us. I think more authors should do that, particularly as it adds to content creation for their books and their fiction, as well as give people an opportunity to know more about you, particularly if you have people who are not as inclined to read a book, they may listen to it. So I think that's an absolutely phenomenal idea, Brandon. You know, it wasn't my idea, but I was trying to do audio for a couple of years and I could not get the technical specs to go with ACX through the platforms that I have. I found a new platform to do it on and it looks like as soon as I get all the recording and editing done that the audiobook should be a go and then I've got the podcast on the other side so you can listen for free and hopefully hear some other news or thoughts from me on the backside. I have you know behind the scenes type content. That's awesome. Very excited for you. And so let's go ahead and do a, you did a recap of the treasure of Capric earlier, but now let's talk about Siren Silence and what's going on in this book. So it, like I said, it is kind of an extended epilogue where Korean, the one big mistake he made in the treasure of Capric was he hired a captain to take him across a very dangerous strait. Just, you know, I don't necessarily think it's a spoiler, but It basically was a situation like Odysseus when he's trying to cut the knife between these two monsters, Uh, except in in, in this case, it's an island full of sirens and this cliff. And so you can't get, if you get too close to the cliff, you crash. If you get too close to the sirens, all your men jump off the boat to go meet the sirens. And so they were trying to find a way to, to get through this. And many of them got through, but many of them didn't. And so Kurian in the beginning of the of Fire and Silence, um, he's just won his first major battle and he wakes up to a dream that feels too real. It's almost like a vision. And the man who had jumped overboard, the captain of the ship, is in this dream and Korean feels like he's being led to go save him now. And from there, you have a lot of different things happening to these poor people on this island. And the fact that the dream seems so real it makes me wonder how much of this is based off your own experience when it comes to dreams. I'm not sure from a sense of having dreams that then inspire you, inspire me. I, and the odd little factoid about me is I have no explanation for it, but I have very often frequently experienced what's it called? Deja vu. Mm-hmm. 
except when I experienced deja vu, it's because I had had a dream of that moment at some point in the past. I don't know what explains it. Maybe it's Einstein's theory that time is a big loop or something like that. <laughs> or maybe it's God giving me a, a little picture of the future, but it's usually nothing consequential. It's just a random conversation and I can go, oh, I had a dream about this moment six months ago. So there's that weird part. We're actually going to be doing a show on deja vu because this is an interesting phenomenon that I've had deja vu. And it's often where you, and it's the feeling of having done this before or being made aware of it or having that foreknowledge is actually quite creepy. (laughs) It it is. (laughs) I've gotten to be used to it and it's just kind of, oh, that was an odd little side note of my day. It's not often like a big thing. It's just some random conversation or you're sitting there going, I think I did this before or I've had this thought before. And when that happens, you're not quite sure what to do with it. Now, I loved Denzel Washington's Deja Vu. That was an excellent movie. (laughs) Very cool movie, especially at the end and how they brought it all together. And especially when he died at the end, that he didn't die because he's coming back to his loop, I guess. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So I like that. I just wanted to share that because a little bit of that is in Siren Silence. When you pick up your copy today, available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. One thing I like about this book, though, it's very rich in detail. Like you can smell the ocean, you can feel the island, you can see all the different things happening onto the island. Then there's that weird place where you're like, is this real now? <laughs> you know, is, is Bacchus really dealing with this or what's going on with Curian? There's a lot of stuff going on in this book. The only thing I told Brandon is that it does read very quickly. Whereas in the first book, you were able to really uh, meander through this world in Siren Silence, it's very quick. The chapters are really short. So it makes for a very fast read. I read it in a couple of hours. So it's a very fast read. And I like that because someone who may not know your writing, when they pick up Siren Silence, they're going to have a little bit of overlap with the Treasure of Capric, but it's not going to be too much of a spoiler, wouldn't you say? Yeah. You don't necessarily need to know everything that happened. You know that some things happened but nothing is going to hold you back from understanding what's happening in this story. Let's talk about sirens for a minute. Why are sirens such an important part of this particular book as it relates to the symbolism that sirens represent? Okay. There's a lot of ideas about sirens. And as an artist, I've always been drawn to some of those pictures you see of, you know, the ship and the woman who is usually a mermaid or something kind of calling to the ship. And there's a lot of lore behind that. I have a family that grew up sailing. My dad was in the Navy. My brother was a sailor. And so there's a lot of these ideas of mermaids and things that can kind of lure men to their doom, essentially, from a mariner perspective. And I think that from a symbolism perspective, it's not just mariners who are in danger of that sort of thing, that there are things in our lives that we can be sailing along just fine. And then something catches our attention that can really draw us away from the path we're supposed to be on or from even a moral path and can lead us towards things that actually destroy us. The thing about sirens too, is that they're often very beautiful from afar and and a lot of the folklore, and this is spread across different cultures in the folklore, they lure you with their voices And I think this is very important because voices can be projected into your mind to simply titillate you. 
to listen to what you're saying. So they tease you. And then when you come against the siren, depending on which culture you're coming across this depiction, the sirens can be quite lovely. Like you said, look like mermaids. But would mermaids really look like Ariel? That's the question. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but they look like mermaids and they're most time they're women. They're very beautiful. And then they eat you <laughs> so, or they just they sing you to your doom. And so the siren song is actually very dangerous. And so what they have to do, they have to stop their ears up. And so I wanted to use this as a jumping point to something we were talking about before we started recording, which is the idea about fairy tales and using fairy tale creatures, stories and plots to let the people know or the hearer know about the dangers that exist in the world. Many of the fairy tales that we have are sanitized versions, and they become, because of largely because of the mass-produced versions that we've all seen growing up, they've become about romance. And originally, they were either warnings to children about the dangers of the world, and in many cases, the, romant, the aspects that have become romantic were about Christ and his church. So Snow White is a really good example because you have this woman who is Snow White. She is supposed to be, you know, in, in the old ideas— the lightness of skin was a representation of holiness because that was visually what they could do. You know, like all the, the saints are glowing in the old pictures because that was a representation of holiness. St. John or John the Beloved is always very, pictures very light and beautiful because that's supposed to be the way that they could present holiness. Now, there's a lot of conflict with that idea, but in general, Snow White was a person who was supposed to be innocent and she is tempted, much like in the garden, she's tempted and she is drawn into death, essentially. And her beloved is the one who's able to bring her out of death. <laughs> what better picture of Christ in the church do we have? It's something simple people can understand. I like that you use Snow White because in the Disney version, you know, we've got the prince. And to be honest with you, there's nothing wrong with wanting the prince, but that's the underpinning of the romance, too, is that God loves us so much that he comes to rescue us, even from our own mistakes, and you have, they use the apple, but we don't know what the fruit was that Adam and Eve took a chunk out of. It's going to be banana for all we know. But it's the fact that the fairy tales were used to tell stories and to let us know that there are dragons. But I think C.S. Lewis was known to say, it's not that there are dragons, but that dragons can be conquered. And how can dragons be conquered in the light of what the Bible says through Christ? He's our great knight. He's our prince. He's our king. See, and he's coming to rescue the damsel in distress. I did an article about what's wrong with the damsel in distress. What's wrong with that? A lot of days they want the woman to be all strong and she has her own sword and she's conquering dragons on her own. And I said, you're acting as if we're not damsels in distress. When we are in sin, we're damsels in distress. We need to be rescued. And the prince comes along. And another author we talked about on the show, Brandon, uh, she made the comment that the knight is usually in shining armor, but a knight in shining armor has not been tried, has not gone through war. His armor will be dented. It will have scuff marks on it and pings and dents from being in war. And that's the knight that we want. And that's Christ who died for us. So his knight, his shine, his armor was shine from his holiness, but he will be one that fought the dragon and fought off the dragon for us. So yeah, we're damsels in distress. And uh, I love that analogy that we use there because the fairy tales were meant to always point us to Christ. And then we've taken away the spiritual context and put just romantic context. And now that's changed to where now I just want to put like a self-empowerment context to the storytelling. So now we can't, we have to fight the dragons on our own. 
we can't depend on anyone to fight the dragons for us. As a matter of fact, I am the dragon and, and I embrace my inner sinful nature. There's nothing wrong with my sinful nature. So yeah, it's very interesting how the fairy tales change. So in your book, Siren Silence, what are some aspects of the fairy tale in here that our listeners can pick up on? Well, I just have to say in response to what you just said of I am the dragon, at the same time, God has put within us a moral compass and a conscience that if you declare yourself the dragon that needs to be defeated morally, it perfectly explains why so many of us are in constant inner turmoil, if that is our mindset. So as far as the fairy tale ideas, actually to bring this full circle to what you mentioned about voices, is I basically what I was trying to do was taking characteristics of the woman described in mostly in Proverbs 5, 7, and 9 has the descriptions of the adulteress. And she is the woman who is calling out and finding men who are clueless and naive and think that they're going to get away with stuff and drawing them in with sweet words. Uh, In Proverbs 9, she's calling out just as loudly as wisdom and drawing in the people who are not taking instruction and calling them just like the siren does. And then you take these ideas biblically and you add on, wow, what a perfect personification of that that we have in the Greek stories about sirens. And now you have a personified picture of temptation. And so from that, that is what I was looking at in the original book as well. In the original book as well, looking at temptation from an outside source and then how you deal with that. When Kurian first experiences them, it is all grit your teeth, stop your ears, do everything you physically can within yourself to try and overcome so that you're not drawn to your doom. In this one, though, he's different. He has met the king. And now he gets to, yes, there is still that temptation. There is still that physical thing. But the knight in shining armor is not him. He is going in to do the saving, but he is not alone anymore. He has help. You brought up something that I think I want to simmer on before we close today's show. And that is the Bible's personification, if you will, of wisdom and adultery as women. And I think this is important because people have said that the Bible reduces women to a subservient level. And here you have wisdom being personified as a woman, but you also have adultery and cheating and promiscuity being personified as a woman as well. What do you think is the significance of that? The Bible is complicated. Yeah, (laughs) but I don't think, but what I guess what I mean is this, the fact that women are being considered wisdom, it lets us know there's a certain nature to women that is unique to us. And I think that's beautiful. But it also talks about how the men can be wise too. Because what Solomon says to his son, he's like, seek wisdom. Like you seek a woman, you know, like like you're seeking your wife, you know, and he does that. But what were you going to say, Brandon? Uh, Well, the personification specifically in Proverbs 9 is wisdom as an aspect of God's character in the female form. And so when you, you can take this back to Genesis then, male and female, he created them in the image of God, he created them. There is, while God is definitely presented as man masculine in most cases, something of the feminine that women experience and that women are and do and, and engage with the world is from God's character, just like with, with masculine is the same. And so for that, we can kind of assume that the insight, the foresight, the dealing with things in a way that is helpful and nurturing is wisdom. In the Hebrew perspective, 
wisdom was not just esoteric. It was very practical. And so you get the Proverbs 31 woman being very wise and being the, the ideal, I guess, even though most of us know we fail at that. And the thing about that, too, is that the Proverbs 31 woman is an entrepreneur. She's a hot wife. She's a housewife. She takes care of the kids. So she's not in this low state of being where she has to be stepped on, you know, and her husband calls her blessed. And this is something to attain. I know most women would say, well, I'm not the Proverbs 31 woman. And uh, they say, I, I failed miserably being the Proverbs 31 woman. But the fact is, like you said, it's the ideal. And it's something for us to strive for, just like for men, too. We're not putting the men off from their calling either. So, but Brandon, I want to thank you so much for being with me on the show today. As always, I really enjoyed having you. And this is just a taste of his book, Siren Silence. If you haven't read the first book, go ahead and pick that up on Amazon.com called The Treasure of Capric. It is book one of the King of the Caves series. This is a novella in that same series. So I assume you're working on the next book in the series, too. Yes, I am. Do you have a working title or no? I do. I've got a working title and a cover, although I haven't shared the cover yet. The title is The Crownless King. Oh, that's going to be interesting. I can't wait to read when you finish. So what do you think you're going to have it done? I am shooting for the, I'm shooting to have it to the editor and the, and the beta readers in the end of the summertime. Okay. Okay, good. And let me know when it's ready so we can have you back and I can get my copy and read it and have you back on the show. So looking forward to that. If people want to get in contact with you, where can they find you online? So the only place I'm active online is on my website, brandonwillborn.com. Again, it's brand on, not brand off. And it's Wilborn, W-I-L-B-O-R-N. I have a podcast that started, but I also have uh, something for your listeners if they would like to just get a, a smaller taste of my writing, they can download a free short story. There's actually two of them available if they go ahead and sign up for my, my newsletter. Great. So go ahead and sign up for Brandon's newsletter on his website and get two free short stories. Go ahead, sign up today. In the few moments we have left, Brandon, go ahead and encourage our authors out there today. I think for inspiration, there's two things I want to say that are related to the conversation we've already been having. And the first one is you asked about dreams. And many times I do, in addition to the deja vu, have experiences of God just hinting at a story and getting up and writing down the notes so that someday I can work on that with him and kind of flesh it out and do that. And that inspiration, God is always saying something that can be thrown into a story for his glory. So follow that. And the second one is the temptation to do something else or to make excuses or to just give up. That is always going to be there. And the answer that I put forth in Siren Silence to temptation of definitely by physical nature, but of any sort, is worship. Go to God and worship, and he will put you in the right mindset to move forward. I can't think of a better way to end the show today, Brandon. So thank you for those wonderful words. And I cannot wait back and have you back real soon. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And we were talking today to Brandon Wilborn. He is the author of the book Siren Silence, available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. If you want to get book one of the series, The King of the Caves, The King in the Caves, go ahead and go to Amazon and pick up your copy of The Treasure of Capric, available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. I really enjoyed that book. I actually had dreams about it after I finished reading the book. And Siren Silence is going to give you that same, but in a fast-paced novella form, 
that I know you're going to enjoy. So go ahead, pick up your copy of both these books today. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen, Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day.